We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 20th, 2016. Um, <clears throat> the next part is just a short section here <clears throat> on Bible verses relating to raising and disciplining children, which I think I probably went over these before. I mean, when I did the, the study I did on the indigo children, or the star children, if you haven't ever heard that, you can get indigo or star children. Uh, that's a whole other subject, though. Uh, in and of itself. Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth, meaning disciplines him, betimes, meaning at the appropriate times. Okay, so, although spanking your children is not fun, I hated it, it is necessary if you love them they have to be shown what right and wrong is and pain is a tremendous motivator okay so that's just the bottom line so it's incredibly important it's saying that he that spareth his rod hateth his son but so no the little snowflake millennials wouldn't agree with that because they don't like of course they don't like being spanked who does? I mean, of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, meaning discipline from God, then you're bastards. So in other words, if you're living any way you want to live and you call yourself a born-again Christian and you're living like the devil, essentially, and there's no chastening on your life from God, well, then you're not saved. Because there's no chastening. You, you think you are, but you're not. Okay? Because God chastens his sons and daughters, period. Okay? And, you know, sometimes the chastening is instant. Sometimes it's a little bit more down the road. Usually when it's down the road, it's worse because it's more of a, okay, I'm going to let you do this for a while. And then when you finally come to your senses, then it's, <laughs> you know, you, you get it all at once. I have, I've had that happen. It's not fun. Proverbs 19, 18, chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. See, there is a time period where you can chasten your child. And, and I'm telling you, th these are things that should be implemented at a very early age. I don't mean when they're babies, but I mean when they can start to understand right and wrong. They need to start getting these concepts, okay? Chase with thy son while there's hope. Why? Because there's going to come a time when it's too late and there's going to be no hope. Because that tree's already grown up too much. You're not going to affect, you, the damage is already done. Because of what you didn't do. You know, that's why when I, when I was, especially when Taylor was little, I tried to like put as much Bible in her as I possibly could. The Awana program at the time was, was good for that because it was KJV, the one we had her in. And she was memorizing massive amounts of scripture. And they even had those little tapes that you can still buy online of KJV songs. And those are great because you can memorize the Bible verses by songs, KJV, and get that in their, in their head. And that's always going to be there to a, to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Those, those early memories, that early shaping process is, is, is foundational. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So those are super uh, important things. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You can't, but you can't start 
you know, if they're 15 and then all they've been raised like the devil, raised to do just self-will, whatever they want to do. I'm not, I'm not coming down on somebody that didn't know this and all of a sudden they got saved and they were raised the wrong way and they raised their kid. Listen, God knows your position and, and, and God can do miracles and, and call upon God and, and he will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which you know it's not. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying God cannot compensate for this. I'm not saying God's not big enough to overcome these situations, especially if you were in a situation where you weren't even a Christian. But the bottom line, though, is typically the longer the bad child rearing goes on, the harder the effects of that are to reverse. I mean, I just, just cause and effect, okay? Um, but again, call upon God uh, regarding these, these, these matters. Uh, Proverbs 22, 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Okay, so this is over and over and over the Bible talks about this. Okay, I always had, and the reason you don't, it's, they talk about a rod. I used a paddle, one of those ping pong, those little, you know those pong paddles where you had the little ball? You can either take a couple, because the, the really cheap ones won't even work because they're so flimsy, but there's some that are a little more heavy duty. That's what I used. And I had it in a separate spot. I did not use my hand with Taylor. I did not want my hand to be associated with discipline. I wanted the paddle to be associated with the discipline. I wanted her not to fear my hand, but I wanted her to fear the paddle. You know, so that was, I think that's a better way. I've heard preachers talk about that a lot. And that's a better, and that's why the Bible talks about the rod. It doesn't talk about your hand. Okay. Um, so that's something to also think about there. Uh, let's go forward here. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. It's that big of a deal. Okay, And this, this doesn't mean like you're caning them like they do in the Philippines. You're beating them to the point of whatever. But disciplining them with like a paddle um, on the posterior, <laughs> gluteus maximus is probably, the, it has the most padding, and yeah, maybe they'll have some whatever bruises or whatever but you know the the uh the blueness that there's a there's a bible verse about that too the blueness of the wound um let see if i can find proverbs twenty thirty. the blueness of a wound cleanses the way evil and so do stripes the inward parts of the belly so i do believe this is in reference to discipline because stripes well you know, the Bible talks about by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Now, those were unjust stripes he was getting. He was he was bearing those part of the bearing of our sin debt. He, he wasn't deserving of those stripes. But by his stripes, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Okay? So do stripes, the inward parts of those. So the blueness of a wound, so that would be like a bruise, cleanse of a wound cleanseth away evil. It talks about cleansing away evil. Okay? So do stripes, the inward parts of the belly. So, the inward parts of us that are that are evil, discipline cleanses that away, is what we're in reference to here. So let's go back to the main report here. Um, <clears throat> so I'll just say the full verse again: Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shall deliver his soul from hell. What? Yeah. 
Little spoiled rotten brats that never had any discipline, like these snowflakes, so many of them, they're not going to have an option to go to heaven. Do you understand that? Well, everybody has the option. Yeah, okay, I get that. But they're going to have no desire because they've had things their whole way, their whole life. They don't know what discipline is. They don't know, they don't really have a, a sense of morality, of right, of true righteous right and wrong. Therefore, their thinking is totally warped. Why on God's green earth would they need a savior? They're, they're the millennial snowflakes. They're whatever. I don't need a savior. I was never taught that. I was taught that I was, that I was, uh, came from a, from a rock that turned into a gorilla through Darwinism that turned into Piltdown man and whatever man, and then eventually formed me billions of years later. Why would I need a God? We're just here by accident. It's all a random thing. It does, none of it matters anyway. And then you have then the whole thing about Aleister Crowley. Do what thou will will be the whole of the law. That was the goal of Aleister Crowley, the most wicked man, reportedly, reputedly, he self-styled himself the 666 great Satan. He influenced a lot of the rock and roll singers of the, of the um, 70s and 80s and probably even modern era. And that's what they want. If it feels good, if it feels good do it. The 60s generation. It's where that all came from, Aleister Crowley. But if you create if the again if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do if you have a child that's raised this way and just corrupted from the very beginning raised by hollywood and and in all the pharmacia that they're that they're dependent upon now that they won't have access to probably when things go down that they're addicted to that's has a huge demonic component and then the public school systems and then the video games and all of the mass mind control programming and then being plugged into the matrix with their smartphones all of this is going into their their head shaping their worldview, warping their mind, how are they going to be delivered from hell? Yes, some of them will get saved, but it will probably only be through the severity of God. See, Satan's created this environment on purpose so that nobody will be able to be saved. Or there will be a very, very low likelihood because their people are so focused on their selves, on self-centered pursuits and things of this nature and their own pleasure and things they're not going to get saved their conscience has been seared with a hot iron they've been turned over to a reprobate mind so many of them so that's a big deal i mean this it's a heaven or hell deal how you raise your children thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell it's that big of a deal Proverbs 9, 29, 15, and 17. And the rod of reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And that's the standard thing now. You know, the, the, the wife might be a single parent mother, or even if they're not, they've got to have two jobs to get all the stuff they want, or maybe just to make ends meet. Daycare ends up raising them, and then they go into the public school systems. And they're not raised by the parents. And maybe the parents were well-meaning. And, and they tried as much as they could, but they, you know, the way that the economy was and this and that, and maybe they got in debt and they, you know, it's expensive to raise children, particularly in America. And that's been all done by design as well, to, to try to disperse the family unit, keep the family unit totally preoccupied with no biblical guidance and no quality time raising your own children and the child is left to himself and the child left to himself will bring his mother to shame 
Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So that talks about discipline again. Ephesians 6, 1 and 4, which is now New Testament. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy mother and father, which is the first commandment and promise, that it may be well with thee, uh, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So dishonoring your mother and father has implications to you living a short life. And I think that this generation coming up, with all the vaccines they've been given, with all the chemtrails they've inhaled, with all the GMOs they're eating, and I mean, they, they're, they're, it's just garbage what they're putting into their body. I mean, my own daughter's attested to that over and over. What, what they've, I mean, these, they're not going to live long. I mean, every generation's dying sooner. My, I, I brought this up to my daughter. I said, look, grandma and grandpa, my, my grandma and grandpa, Johnson and Myers on, on my side. They lived to be into either, well, man, I think my grandpa Myers died. He was probably late 60s. But the other ones, my grandma Myers, my grandpa Johnson, my grandma Johnson, they all lived into their 80s. And then my parents, look at my parents, they all died. My, my parents died within a year of one another in their early 60s, you know, and you're going to see subsequent generations dying sooner and sooner. They're, they're doing all this stuff to kill us. The vaccines, the chemtrails, the GMOs, the fluoride and the chlorine and all the other chemicals in the water. All the electromagnetic radiation frequencies we're being bombarded with. I mean, all the stuff they're going to... I mean, it, it is just... They're trying so many different ways to kill us. So, I know that I got a little off track there. And then this verse ends by saying and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord so we're not to provoke our children under wrath either okay so there needs to be a balance there obviously now let's go further here and this is a um a letter i got from a listener and she said got back from the library and an employee had a safety pin on his collar aren't safety pins used on diapers i thought i asked what the safety pin in the brass on it was four i'm not sure what brass means but anyway the male employee said his mom made it for him <laughs> it was to let people know that he was in a safe haven from bullies oh my word the trump people are not going around i mean i haven't seen any maybe there i'm sure there's exceptions but they act like the trump people are going around bullying everybody and it's the exact opposite what's going on okay and then i got this from the daily mail and it said americans copy post brexit brits by wearing safety pins to take a stand against racism xenophobia and sexism in the wake of the election because they want to pin all of that racism xenophobia and sexism on all on trump and on all of his supporters they just blanket they don't care what platform he's run on they don't care if it's not true they just know that it's true in their own eyes and they want to just put that label on all of us and therefore they can demonize us and therefore they have any right to say anything they want to to us and do anything including beating up and killing and all of these other things because we're sexist racist xenophobic you know we're all these things some americans have started wearing safety pins to show solidarity with groups who feel frightened by trump's election 
The small but powerful symbol is a way for many to essentially take a stand against racism, sexism, and xenophobia. The idea takes inspiration from the British movement after math of Brexit. After the Brexit vote, some people started wearing safety pins in a show of solidarity with refugees and immigrants. Now Americans have adopted the symbol as a way to declare themselves an ally to groups including minorities, which would include the radical Muslims, women, and these are radical feminists, and the LGBT queer community. So, it's it's a reprobate thing, okay, is I guess the point here. So I'm going to go back to the article. Meanwhile, Soros is paying for people to say, kill cops and others. Um, so I asked him about the protesters being paid by Soros to incite riots and to kill cops and others. The male employee did not respond. He was probably starting to feel a little out of his little safe haven comfort zone. You know, I'm surprised he didn't go into a little temper tantrum or whatever Put his, put his hands over his ears and hold his breath until he turns blue, till she went away. I mean, come on, that's more the manly thing to do, wouldn't it be? Um, and then she says, why cops are letting this take place is beyond comprehension. And the colleges are giving college credits to these libs, liberals, and I am way too old. I had to work way too hard for my degrees. No handouts for me. I worked three jobs while I was in school and never got any handouts for school. I sure never got college credit for inciting riots. In fact, my mom and dad had me working for others at the age of nine to start saving for cars for college and to buy my own clothes, etc. I remember babysitting for 50 cents an hour and I thought I was getting rich when I got up to a dollar and 80 cents an hour. Um, so this is somebody that knows hard work that was raised you know in in that type of environment so she's got a totally different perspective than these little snowflakes do for the most part then it has i i put i posted some pictures in here and it shows a picture of a baby bottle and it says nothing like knocking back with a, with a nice cold one after a day of protest <laughs> it shows a cold baby bottle and then another one shows this little baby crying and it says if your child needs grief counseling because of this election you have failed as a parent <laughs> anyway i have to interject some humor into this because it's it's too uh mind-blowing um and aggravating if you don't do that you know so my response to her is amen sounds like you know what hard work is good for you and that man that had the safety pin uh in the library is a little gelded devil that will beg for the mark of the beast and i I would i'd almost guarantee you that will be the way it plays out unless the guy gets saved you know and there's a very low likelihood that is going to happen because the damage has already been done, you know, in that particular case. The brainwashing is, com- I'm not going to say totally complete, but <laughs> say about 98%, you know. Uh, that ge- That is the generation the Antichrist is waiting for, to grow up. <coughs> now, appropriately, I'm going to say this again. My daughter overheard a couple of liberal feminazis talking the other day, and they said in response to the older generations voting Trump in, that was the subject, that, quote, all we have to do is wait till they die off, end of quote. So that is, the, that is the traitorous mindset of these millennial snowflakes, to a large part, that are the ones throwing the temper tantrums and the ones going crazy. So, you know, that's, it's, it's good to know that this is where, where they're actually, their thinking process is, Okay. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't underestimate him is all I'm saying. Now, the next report. Uh, Let's go further here. 
Do stolen Secret Service badges and guns foreshadow the final false flag chain of events that could plunge America into a period of unprecedented chaos? All of Obama's draconian executive orders are still waiting to be used. In the new story from Michael Snyder over at the Economic Collapse blog, he tells us why America is still in danger in the danger zone until July 20th in 2017. And they're not out of the danger zone after that. In fact, that could be when it starts. But still more than 60 days away from the Donald Trump inauguration, we're warned that events might happen over the next two months that could quickly plunge America into a period of unprecedented chaos with the globalists set to lose their biggest prize, America, when Trump is sworn to office. And again, I'm not going to go that far either. Okay, um, Snyder outlines for us the scenarios that could quickly change everything over the next two months setting off a chain of events that could be absolutely disastrous for the nation as snyder warns us trump hasn't even officially won the presidency yet as the next president won't be determined until december 19th when the electoral college meets and this is why all of the little snowflakes are death threatening the electoral college people that voted for trump to change their votes because they still think that they can get hillary in there okay uh, and the more and more Trump's recent appointments holding views in complete opposition to the New World globalists who've been working to tear down America for decades, it's becoming more and more clear that the globalists may attempt to pull off more massive false flags to complete their destruction of America. And, you know, that very, very well could be the uh, thing. Here's a little picture here I've got, and it says, George Soros, anti-American globalist, planning the largest pro-establishment civil disobedience protest in the century in Washington, D.C., he worked for the Nazi party in Hungary as a Jew collecting valuables from the Jews that were sent to death camps. He was a professional, he, he was basically working for the Nazis as a Jew to sell out his own race and collecting their valuables and he had no problem. It says via CBS interview, I watched it the other day, via CBS interview, I think I gave you a link in my last newsletter I put out, he claimed his job with the Nazis was the best time of his life. And the lady asked him, she said, this is like a CBS interview. This wasn't like whatever, taken out of context. She says, well, wasn't it really hard to go and to do this basically to your own race? He says, oh, no, no, quite the contrary. It was very easy. And he like, kind of laughed about it. This is the kind of, of maggot we're dealing with here. This is a guy that sold, sold, was selling out his own race from a very, very early early childhood we're talking about somebody that was was a vessel of satan the wicked the bible says the wicked go astray from the womb they speak lies as soon as they be born this is a vessel of wrath fitted meaning prepared ahead of time for god's destruction okay and he showed this from a very early age he was this vessel of satan okay so this is the kind of dude that is trying to incite all of these riots and all this division and all the things going on here and we're going to keep talking about this, the whole thing with Soros. Uh, let's go further here. Uh, let's see here. Simply knowing as fact that the false flag after false flag have already been used by the globalists to accomplish political goals, tell us America cannot trust George Soros, nor anybody else who have been working to take down America. So our watchmen should be at a high state of awareness and alert from now until at least Inauguration Day. Well, I would say... I'm not going to stop anything unless God, you know, has me stop. But as a watchman, yes, that's why I'm doing this report because I do do believe, and I mean, from the feedback I got and from leading up to there and after, a lot of people, a lot of my listeners, a lot of people that call themselves Christians were praying and fasting about this. 
and that Hillary did not get in, and it did happen, okay? Um, but that same fervor, I, I, what I'm cautious of is that that just maybe people say, oh, Trump's in, now let's stop, let's let down our guard, let's, everything's going to be great. No, you can't, that is not the thing to do, because the New World Order isn't just going to let their biggest prize just go. They're not going to let just Trump supposedly implement all these things he said he's going to implement uh, without some kind of massive fight. We're already seeing it. We're already seeing the, the, the absolute, the continuation of the demonization of anybody that's pro-Trump, the, the people that he's uh, getting uh, to a point, if they're not some neocon establishment, they're being demonized. The demonization has not stopped. In fact, it's gotten worse, and there's more fake news, and there's more censorship now than even before the election. Okay, so th this is what we're, we're facing here. With Democrats almost literally calling for revolution in the streets, while anarchists dressed in black uh, promised to make sure Donald Trump's transition to president on July 20th, 2017 is anything but peaceful, Susan Duclos told us this morning at A&P that it's already become much more all-news, whatever, network or something. It's already becoming more dangerous in America as dangerously unhinged snowflakes become deadly with death threats and violence being levied against Trump and his supporters all across America. Now, too, I think that they've got the backbone to actually actually implement in whatever death threats. No, I don't, for the most part, obviously, no. But they may be working with some groups that actually, like, Soros-sponsored type groups that do have the means to carry something like that out. Um, <clears throat> let's go further here. Uh, it's already becoming more dangerous in America's dangerously unhinged snowflakes become deadly with death threats. Uh, and while the rapidly dying mainstream media continues to label the very outlets that helped to bring down Hillary Clinton and her never-ending series of lies as fake news outlets, they report nothing of the times the MSM mainstream media reported proven fake news that led to people dying as the result of their actions, proving to us that, beyond a doubt, why the mainstream media needs to be put out of America's misery. We see that free speech is indeed under major attack. Might the globalists attempt to pull off a false flag, a false flag of all false flags, in order to complete their agenda for America, and if so, what might they pull off as their grand finale to take down America? And here's a quote by Professor Arnold J. Toynbee in June of 1931, a speech before the Institute for the Study of International Affairs in Copenhagen. Here's a quote by this dude. This is from the BBC. He says, we are at present working discreetly with all our might to wrest this mysterious force called sovereignty out of the clutches of the local nation states of the world. All of the time we are denying with our lips what we are doing with our hands, end of quote. And that was in 1931. And again, you can understand now why you can literally go and, and if you try to watch mainstream media, like I said before, uh, lean up to the election, I only had access to like tvs if i was on like the uh treadmill or something at, at the gym and it was the first 10 minutes was all demonization of trump that's all it was it didn't matter what he had done it, it was all made up garbage for the most part or, or half truths or whatever and then the, and then the 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 puffing up of hillary and i think this is why they got so overconfident 
because they figured, well, our brainwashing is is obviously been enough. We've 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 done enough to do that. And the reality is, is it wasn't enough. I couldn't even watch it. I mean, it was it was so aggravating. It was such lies that you know. And it's only gotten worse though, from what I'm hearing. Um. So let's go further here. The fact that more than 4.3 million Americans have signed a petition urging Electoral College voters to change their minds and pick Hillary, because they've done this online, okay, um, and pick Hillary shows us one direction this false flag might take. And as there have widely been reported across the alternative news, one threat after another have been levied against the life of President-elect Trump, so the Secret Service is cracking down upon those threatening him. Now, I haven't heard a lot from the lamestream media about oh yeah we think hillary has a chance to do i just kind of got to believe that if they were really going to do that there would be more posturing toward that leading up to the 19th of december that they were actually going to really try to pull that off and get hillary in hillary lost by a pretty large majority okay and in all the stuff about um you know the a lot of the states that supposedly didn't come in at the end that they didn't count well trump was leading them other than there was like one state he wasn't leading he was leading them he was leading arizona he was leading alaska and he was leading michigan and he would have won though he would have been over that i remember watching that night and said he was projected to have over 300 electoral college votes over 300 you only needed like 270 low 270s okay hillary wasn't close to that so i don't know I don't know if they're going to try to pull that off. It, it Maybe if they start really posturing toward that, toward the next, you know, I mean, we've got now about a month toward the 19th, okay, from, from here. It's the 20th of November. Maybe if I start to see heavy posturing toward that, I'll start to believe that, that maybe they are. But I can't see that they would just all of a sudden on the 19th out of like nowhere without any kind of preconditioning of the masses try to pull that one off. It'd be pretty tough. You know, knowing what a landslide it was for Trump, knowing that they know, I I guarantee you, they know the true numbers. Okay, and it was a massive landslide. So, let's go forward here. Okay, so I think where we left off, it says, and it has been widely reported across alternative media news, one threat after another, that have been levied against the life of President-elect Trump, so the Secret Service is cracking down upon those threatening him. Now, one of the other things you've heard is, okay, well, will they try to assassinate Trump, either leading up to the election and or after? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's really, you know, in God's hands. And if God did put him in, okay, for such a time as this, um, it, like a lot of Christians believe it, I'm not saying that, you know, all I can tell you is a lot of people prayed and fasted that Hillary wouldn't get in and she didn't, okay? And I do believe, I mean, I know how burdened I was. You heard me up here bawling my eyes out. You know, I was so burdened over all the, but that, that was so much. And it wasn't so much, oh God, let Trump get in. It was so much, oh God, please let not Hillary and the pedophile crew who have been doing this for decades, please not let, let them continue unabated in their wickedness and hurting little children. I mean, that was really my, uh, my burden uh, regarding, in. It didn't happen, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here, you know, and 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 not give God credit for that, 
Uh, because we know, again, Hillary was a known commodity. We know what we were getting with the Wicked Witch of the West. And there, I don't, I don't see a, another woman uh, that I have ever seen running, or, or man for that matter, that was more wicked than her, trying to be president in the United States. I don't think anybody could come close, including Bill, her husband or whatever. Um, let's go forward here. It is well known now that the California-based CEO with ties to the CIA recently threatened t- Trump's life. We, we talked about that guy. And all the threats that the Secret Service has to deal with are coming in at a time when the Secret Service has a huge number of sensitive assets such as weapons, badges, guns, and cars stolen from them. Did you know about that? The Secret Service had had huge number of sensitive assets such as weapons, badges, guns, and cars stolen from them. We have to ask, are the enemies of America from within planning on taking down Trump, possibly via someone who has gotten hold of stolen Secret Service assets or an MK Ultra programmed assassin? These are just things to keep in the back of your mind, pray about, stuff like that. This Daily Caller story alone should be should be sounding out the very the alarm loud and clear. Thousands of sensitive assets belonging to the U.S. Secret Service agents, including firearms, computer laptops, work badges, telephones, and even motor vehicles have been lost during the last 15 years, according to documents obtained by nonprofit government watchdog Judicial Watch. This is, like, legitimate. This is over a 15-year period. This, I didn't, this is, I was clueless about this. This is supposedly an elite law enforcement agency. How did all this equipment get stolen or lost? This is alarming. Every American should be alarmed by this. Judicial Watch, Irene Garcia, told this to the Daily Caller News Foundation. So this isn't some little fringe theory. This actually happened. Secret Service agents reported 11,780 lost or stolen assets between the years of 2001 and 2016. According to the data Judicial Watch received, although the agency didn't distinguish between lost and stolen items, a total of 121 weapons or pistols were stolen from 2001 to 2016, including 69 in 2002 alone. The Secret Service also reported 736 cell phones, 571 badges, and six vehicles as lost or stolen in that same period. The list of possible false flags that the globalists could use to bring down America prior to or just after Trump takes office also include any number of manufactured crises that allow the imposition of a draconian executive order and that draconian executive orders, really, that have been conveniently signed into place and are still waiting to be activated. Well, this is what I've been saying for years, that if any time leading up to the election, if martial law could be implemented by Obama through some whatever one of these manufactured crises. Well, as far as I know, he stays in office. That's every indicator I've ever seen, and he gets to stay in office and, and become dictator for whatever. Now, again, I'm not 100% sure under a, lame de- under a lame duck thing how that all works. I'm not sure. Okay, so that could be, I don't know, maybe he won't be able to stay in as easily because we have actually president-elect waiting to go in. So again, I'm not, I'm not going to be super dogmatic about that, but it, it is kind of alarming. From a massive activation of terrorist sleeper cells in America to the globalist bringing on financial collapse, we'll continue to report the reasons that America isn't quite out of the woods until we are. We're not out of the woods no matter what, okay? But 
there's obviously times that you're more at risk of things going on. And while some might call that fear-mongering, we've long been called upon to be prepared for whatever that is that might come our way. As Snyder tells us in his story, with America still having more than two months to go, before an America uh, first president takes office, the globalists are looking more and more desperate every day as their new world order falls apart. And there's never been a more important uh, time now for all of us to keep our eyes and ears open. We also ask A&P readers to please continue to pray for the safety of President-elect Donald Trump and God's continued protection for America. So, we have that um, report. Now, here is an audio. We're going to play about 17 minutes of this. We're going to play two more audios and then we're going to be done. This is the collapse. The collapse is most likely going to occur in 2017. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just roll this now. This is an X-22 report spotlight. Double up on your prepping. Collapse is most likely to occur in 2017. They're interviewing James Wesley Rawls of uh, survivalsomething.com. survivalblog.com welcome to the x22 anyway survivalblog.com is his website report spotlight today we have a returning guest james wesley rawls he's a survivalist author his specialties is in retreat security food storage firearms he is a former u.s army intelligence officer and the owner and creator of the survivalblog.com and i am very happy to have him back on the x22 report spotlight james welcome back to the spotlight Thanks for having me on, dude. Hey, thanks for being here. Now, the last time we spoke was all the way back in September of uh, 2015, and a lot has changed since then. Right now, we see we have a new president, Trump. Uh, Hillary did not win the White House, even though the corporate media, the government, were all trying to convince us that she was going to be the next president. From what you're seeing, what do you think went wrong? Why don't you think she got into the White House. Why did Trump get into the White House? I think that um, she actually lost out on a lot of Democrat votes. Uh, she uh, got a lot less votes than Obama did uh, in the last election. So it, she simply had too many of her character faults revealed to the American people, and common sense prevailed. What we're seeing today... Um, since she didn't get into the White House, we're seeing a lot of protests around the country. Mm -hmm. um, Trump has already come out and said, listen, I believe there's professional protesters within these crowds stirring everything up, creating these riots. And there's also a petition going around right now trying to get the election results overturned and have Hillary go into the White House. Where do you think this is coming from? Well, I... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's coming from George Soros, who was um, Clinton's biggest backer. And uh, a lot of the, the dark money can be traced directly to him. Uh, essentially, what Soros was attempting was state capture on a grand scale, full state capture of a first world country. And this, that would have been the first time it had ever been accomplished at that scale at a, uh, for a first, first world country country government. Uh, for you know, third world countries and places like South Africa, 
it's been uh, tried and accomplished time and time again, but to have that happen in a first world country is unprecedented. And I think that what we're seeing right now is kind of the aftermath of that, where they're still trying to uh, play the system to get their desired result. I don't think they'll be successful. I think that there'll probably be um, protests for another two or three weeks, and then they'll die down, and then we'll see another big round of protests right around the time of the inauguration. In fact, there's talk amongst the anarchists in that crowd that they want to try to shut down all the freeways and all the transportation nationwide on Inauguration Day. So I urge your listeners to be prepared for that. The other thing that people need to be prepared for is a lot of banking turmoil. I think that uh, because the statist globalists have been foiled in, in, their, in their goals, they still want to see the U.S. continue along the globalist path. And I think the way that they see that best being accomplished is to prevent Trump from scaling back the U.S. government, as he's promised to do. And I think that the way that they're going to accomplish that is by fomenting a huge economic crisis. Uh, they'll do that by means of manipulating interest rates. It's a fairly easy thing to do. Uh, rates have actually been artificially low for a very long time. In fact, we've gotten down into negative interest rates. So just allowing interest rates to go back to their normal level would pretty well crash the system because the false prosperity that we've been witnessing here in the United States has been based on all the trillions of dollars of federal debt that have been racked up by the Obama administration. So there is no real recovery. There's only the illusion of recovery created by massive federal spending and massive federal entitlements. So I think that they're going to try to crash the system. Uh, they'll, they'll try to crash the U.S. dollar, crash the U.S. stock market. They'll try to throw interest rates out of whack. And uh, if they're successful, they could very well force the U.S. government into a near default situation. Because with the $19 trillion of debt on the books, and that's just immediate obligations, not our long-term obligations, which stretch well into about $70 billion, or I'm sorry, $70 trillion, um, the, uh, they could very well, by raising interest rates, push the U.S. government into a position where they can no longer service the national debt without resorting to inflation. And I think that is their goal. By creating economic instability, they will basically, uh, I think they're hoping to stop Trump from scaling back the size and scope of the U.S. government, to prevent him from eliminating all those federal agencies like the EPA and the Department of Education, which really are unconstitutional and which Trump has promised to do away with. If they create a crisis big enough to do that, I think they, uh, their goal is to, is, um, to, throw a monkey wrench into Donald Trump's plans. And I'm afraid they might be successful at it. So all of your listeners need to be, be prepared for that. And in the short term, people need to be prepared for D 
deflation. And in the long term, they need to be prepared for simultaneous deflation and inflation. Deflation in some sectors, mass inflation in other sectors. It's going to be an unprecedented situation. It's going to be horrendous. There'll be huge job losses, huge defaults. Uh, there'll be uh, people losing their homes, uh, in at least the deflationary stage of it. And then when we flip over into mass inflation, we'll have a situation very similar to the opening stages of my first novel series, the Patriot series. You, you just said quite a bit, but I just want to back up for a second with Trump, and I, we can just tell that they're really afraid of him. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you think that before he gets to January, do you think there will be an attempt on his life? Do you think they'll go down that route? Well, I think that um, they won't attempt to have a, any kind of economic crisis until after Trump is in office, because uh, I think uh, especially the Democrat Party, and Obama in particular, is, is very concerned about his legacy. He's all about his legacy. And uh, they don't want to see a crash while uh, Obama is still in office. So yeah, if, if anything, I think they're going to wait until Trump is, a, is in office. But fairly soon after is when they're very likely going to pull the plug. So do you think they'll assassinate him before he even gets into office? Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, I, I don't. It is it's definitely a possibility. I don't think it's likely. Uh, generally, the globalists don't do anything that overt. You know, they might mm -hmm. um, carry out an assassination in a, a second world or a third world country, but that's v very unusual in a first world country. Um, now, what's more likely is they could try to do a Justice Scalia-style assassination where they make it look like natural causes, they, they could say, oh, well, President Trump was, was worried about his physical health and he started exercising hev heavily and he was on the treadmill and he had an aneurysm and he died. Something like that. Uh, that's much more likely than having a bomb go off and, and taking him out that way. But they've already t attempted to assassinate his character. Uh, it's not inconceivable that they might attempt to physically assassinate him. So where does the military stand in all this? Are they behind Trump or? Yes. Yes, I think that the military by and large is, uh, will back Trump. And we have a very apolitical military. It's ever since uh, World War One, the military has structured itself in such a way that they're completely divorced from politics. And that's why there's, in a lot of countries, there's always the, the the lingering threat of a military coup. That really doesn't exist in the United States because of the, in part because of the professionalism and the professional education of our military, which uh, puts service to the Constitution first. And as long as we have at least a quasi-constitutional government, the military will always remain loyal to the government. Let me ask you this. Do you think this entire election, do you think um, uh, this was a silent coup in the works? I mean, we heard rumors of this where there were certain individuals. That, if anything, it was, if you want to use the term coup, it was a quiet, a quiet attempted coup and then a counter coup. 
because what we really have was the American electorate speaking and saying, we're tired of all this globalism, we're tired of statism, we're tired of, of the good old boy network, we're tired of the almost interchangeable Republican and Democrat parties. There, there really is not a nickel's worth of difference between the two parties at this point. They're both bloated government-oriented uh, parties that uh, are addicted to debt, they're addicted to big government, statism, regulation, and uh, unfortunately, increasingly, a surveillance state. They're both fully committed to it. So I think it, what we saw in the election was a, a rejection of that whole philosophy. And hopefully, President Trump will have the opportunity to reverse a lot of that. And he'll have a bit of breathing room to make that happen. But with, you know, my personal prediction is that they're going to foment a economic crisis that will at least delay, if not unravel completely, Trump's plans to scale back this, the government. You don't think Trump will be able to stop this economic collapse that's coming right now? No, I do not, because the collapse is long overdue. We're trillions and trillions of dollars in, in debt, both public and private. We have a debased currency. We have no real manufacturing base left in the country. And we have a dumbed-down electorate that is uh, dependent on not just uh, government aid, but also medication for a huge segment of the population. So if we were to see an economic crisis if we saw so he brings up the medication part too and now now we're talking i had just talked about the millennials <clears throat> on their massive amount of meds most of them well, i think a lot of them are geared toward psychotropic mental type issues and i'm sure other issues as well but then you have all the you know the elderly and everybody in between that are on meds for different and various things and again that is something that could dry up very quickly if the supply chain goes away due to an economic crisis, which will also further uh, foment the chaos, you know, obviously in America. Collapse in the dollar, a spike in interest rates, a collapse in the stock market, I think our society would basically come unglued. And unfortunately, it might push President Trump into the position of actually needing more government which is everything he stands in opposition to. If you look at the, the globalists and the way they've played their, their game for the last 50 years, they always pursue strategies and tactics that result in multiple gains. And for them, the biggest gain is more government. When this collapse happens, do you think the corporate media, the deep state, do you think they're going to turn around and try to blame this on Trump? Of course, yes. They'll say, oh, it, it, this, is, this is like Brexit being played out again, and the stock market instability was caused by nervousness about Trump's policies, and Trump's threat to reduce the tax base is what caused the crisis and caused a loss of confidence in the U.S. dollar. They'll blame it almost entirely on him, or they may even go all the way back to Bush.
<laughs> they'll just they'll just skip <laughs> over the eight years of Obama. You talked about inflation and deflation. Um, when we talk about inflation, how bad is that going to get for the people? We could see at least double digit, if not triple digit, inflation. And if it if it runs its own course, like it like it has in Venezuela. The, the problem with, with mass inflation is once it gets started, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you have inflation built into the system. So once that steamroller gets going, it's very hard to stop it. The expectation of further inflation is inflationary just in itself. Uh, do you see the credit market breaking down? Because a lot of people have been talking about um, bare sh uh, shelves in the supermarket, uh, mm -hmm. credit freezing up. Uh, supplies not getting to where they need to go. Uh, do you see that occurring also? Well, um, in the, the, the at, we're going to have a, a really curious, unprecedented situation where we have deflation followed by uh, mass inflation, but still some deflation in some sectors such as housing and also um, corporate real estate. I think will also be def in, a, in a deflation. Uh, but it, it's going to be a, a strange situation where uh, through a credit crisis, we could see liquidity dry up. But at the same time, with high interest rates, we could see uh, pr price inflation at the consumer level, especially for things like food and fuel. So it's, it's going to be a really strange situation. It's going to be a whipsaw effect where people are alternately hit by both inflation and deflation. They're going to see um, consumer prices go up, but their wages may actually be stagnant and the, and the value of their land, their property, going down. We could see deflation in that, in that sector. So it's going to be a just absolutely terrifying situation for most Americans. And the only Americans that will be insulated for that from that will be Americans who have diversified into tangibles and into precious metals. The rest of the country that... So when he says that, <clears throat> tangibles, that means <clears throat> things that you can put your hands on, okay? Not things that are in paper, that are in cyberspace, that from a click of the mouse or, or from a specific economic collapse standpoint could disappear overnight things you can put your hands on like you know food and water ways to purify water or maybe medical um <clears throat> uh, nutrition uh, all of these different things survival type things and then also precious metals that's what he's talking about there and that was why this was entitled double up on your prepping now i'm not going to play this is an actual i'm only going to be playing about half of this which we've only got another 40 seconds to go um, <clears throat> due to time constraints, but you can listen to the whole thing, and I, I think he gets more into the uh, prepping stuff in the second half of this. Uh, they're so stuck in the system, they really haven't been preparing, they have no knowledge that this is coming. Uh, could we see chaos on the streets, riots? I mean, where, I mean this, where people you know, get so upset and so angry, do you see that happening? Yes, uh, if, if there's any disruption in either the supply chain to the supermarket shelves or a disruption of 
people's income to, to the point where they can't afford to buy groceries, there's nothing like hunger to inspire angry mobs. It's happened before, and it'll, unfortunately, it will probably happen again. And how will the government react to this? What, what do you think they will do at that point? Okay, so he, he gets further into, into that. But yeah, hunger uh, is a tremendous motivator that... Um, actually, we're going to be talking more about that in the next little report here. This is the actual last thing we're going to be covering, <clears throat> which kind of segues to the subject. And this is a recent report Dave Hodges put out. It's called The Breakup of, Up of, of America Maybe Beginning. There's a breakup of the United States movement going on in America as we speak. This is a globalist Soros creation. Some of it is and some of it's not. Obviously, we're, we're going to learn about both aspects of this <clears throat> in the audio here we're going to be listening to. <clears throat> America's the last bastion of freedom, as Ronald Reagan stated, and our country must be brought down with extreme prejudice. Um, yesterday I authored an article which demonstrated how Hollywood is obsessed with this, with the theme of the breakup of the United States, which follows a cataclysmic uh, event which ends up in the deaths of most high-ranking government officials. The notion is real, and the breakup of America is a multidimensional plan. I interviewed popular talk show host Paul Preston, and we discussed a small... Uh, segment of breaking up of America that is transpiring right before our eyes. If one knows where to look, there is much more than the Cal Exit to worry about, and this will be covering in an upcoming article. And the Cal Exit is what they're going to be discussing here about California. So let's go ahead and listen to this. Hi, this is Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show, where we are freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. On the line with me from California is Paul Preston, and Paul is a noted talk show host, also a noted activist, and we've asked Paul to come on today to talk about our 51st state. Yes, that's correct. I'm not making an Obama mistake from the last campaign where he said we had 57 states. I'm saying we're going to have a 51st state. Paul? Is that really true, though? We're going to have a 51st state. Yeah, we are. Um, in spite of what you might hear coming from uh, the uh, the bowels of, uh, I guess, the belly of the beast in Sacramento, California, which is uh, truly a totalitarian state at this point. We're definitely a socialist state. California's Soviet Socialist Republic has now been emblazoned, in my opinion, because I, we actually can add a guy, make up a flag that says California Soviet Socialist Republic, because... With all the regionalism programs that we have now, they've uh, basically diluted and dissolved uh, city and uh, elected officials in cities and counties here in California. So now we have just regional boards of authority, so to speak, that can levy taxes and fines and things like that, such as uh, the California Air Resources Board and that sort of thing. It's Soviet-style governance. Well. I mean, this is how bad it's already gotten in certain parts of California, which is really, you know, pretty much the cutting edge for what they want to implement in America, as I, I've stated many, many times regarding, you know, mostly <clears throat> the southern region of California. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable what's going on there. We're just going to say these regional councils is a playbook right out of the Soviet Union. Right. That's uh, regionalism. And in fact, the word uh, Soviet means, uh, translated into English, means regional. Can't get any any clearer than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what I tell you. 
the consummate that, dictator in Jerry Brown. That's crazy. Uh, where is Doug LaMalfa, the congressman of District 1 in California? Where is he at on all this? Uh, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Uh, personally, I, I've met Doug a few times, and I know people around him. Um, I'm, I don't know where he's at on it right now. I don't know if he really truly supports it. I think it's sort of a half-hearted report, uh, support that we're getting from the politicians, the California politicians, but those that are uh, clamoring to be uh, uh, politicians within the state of Jefferson are just ecstatic at the fact that it looks like we're going to pull this off. What makes you so confident that it's going to happen? Well, I think the timing right now... now... I think what he's referring to is the part of California they're trying to break off called the state of Jefferson, which is where it's more pro-patriot, pro... Uh, you know, wanting to get away from all the radical libs in the southern part. They want to break off in their own state, essentially, called the state of Jefferson. Well, um, it's very, very clear that California has become a super oppressive... Uh, environment to be in. It's becoming uh, progressively more unsafe and unstable with especially the radical uh, ideas of uh, Jerry Brown in terms of bringing in immigrants, illegal immigrants. We're being flooded right now with illegal immigrants and it's changing the entire demographics of the state uh, very quickly uh, to with the point where... So he's right on board with Obama, bring in as many illegal aliens as possible, destabilize this southern region, and particularly California, and totally changed the demographic, totally changed the, the political environment, totally changed the moral environment within the state so that they have a majority to implement whatever they're going to try to implement, which is just pure evil. Now what you have, uh, since especially the Trump election, you have a calling for the secession of California. Now, the Jefferson movement, <laughs> I think, is a real uh, discernment for your audience, because a lot of people get caught up in this, and the left is really, really jumping all over the idea of secession. And so let's let's have a little discussion about it. But secession was the process in which uh, the South separated from the Union. Yeah, they seceded. In other words, they just broke away and became their own nation. And it was an illegal process. It's unconstitutional. And uh, that was their their attempt uh, to you know to uh, respond to Abraham. I think that, that that would be disputed by a lot of um, preachers uh, that have researched that more than he has. So I'm not going to go like Pastor Weaver, who's researched the secession thing more than any other pastor that I know of. I don't think he would agree that it was an illegal thing that was going on there. But I'm just going to throw my two cents on that. Pam Lincoln and the things that were going on that proceeded and led up to the Civil War. And that movement, that action actually did lead to civil war. The Constitution is pretty clear, and it does not support secession. It does support a legal process to form new states, and so does every state constitution in the nation. California is no different. And so we are following the process that's prescribed in the Constitution and the, in the state of California's Constitution as well. So this is a, the formation of a new state. So instead of taking a star off the flag, we're actually putting a star on the flag. So instead of, you know, in the secessionist movement, this Cal Exodus, it's called, um, which is an offspring of what they used to refer to as Yes, California. This movement is to actually form a new state and make it the 51st state in the nation. And, um, and of course, if you want to take a star off and make it 49 states, then you'd just secede from California. California would secede from the nation and form its own um, it, from its own, from form its own nation, from America. 
So there is a, a problem in that there's really no clear mechanism legally by which that can happen. So it, what we have here is a movement now known as Cal Exit. It's a leftist movement. We've been watching this movement. We've been monitoring this movement uh, for about the last five years, and they planned this out a long time ago. This is a George Soros-backed organization. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, one of my partners and research, lead researcher for Agenda 21 Radio is Red Smith. And uh, like I said, we have been monitoring and watching this group. This group is a George Soros-funded group. Um, you have as its leader a, a young man or a, a man who's um, a Muslim, a represent, really a, a, a Muslim Brotherhood representative. Uh, he's got all the, uh, the, the tattoos, if you will, of being a Muslim extremist. And you have another assistant. His name is Louis J. Martinelli, and he's all wrapped up in La Raza. La Raza. Oh, yeah. So he's back in it. But so you've got the most radical elements of Islam represented, the most radical elements of the La Raza, which means the race, um, for the Latinos, where they believe that this land in America was stolen from them, and they're going to, the gringos are this wicked group of people that stole it from them, and they deserve it. So, and then Jerry Brown, who's the, one of the most biggest sellout, <clears throat> I believe is a governor there of all time, Totally letting all the illegal aliens come in and, and implementing Obama's agenda, just a devil from the pit of hell. They're the ones that are that are behind all of this. So again, this is about destabilization. This is George Soros is the one that's that's funding a lot of this. So we're seeing George Soros. He's not letting up after the election. He's increasing. Um, the money he's putting into these programs to destabilize. He's the ones bringing the buses into these. He's go, the one that are going to be busing in people for the inauguration day, trying to create race rights, trying to create as much racial division as possible. And white against black, white against Muslim, white against Latino, white against. And then that's where, what they're real, those are the things they're trying to create, okay? Um, those types of divisions. The bigger, the bigger story behind all this is that you have. George Soros backing it naturally. He's the funder. He's one of the major funders. Well, he's half of the funders. The, this is where it really gets to be interesting and really where it starts to touch onto our current governor, Jerry Brown, who I deem a dictator. Jerry Brown is in his fourth term as governor right now. He's the, he, but he will have been governor of this state of California for 16 years, first in seven, 1976 to 1984, and then now from 2010 to 2016. Um, so here's the deal with Jerry Brown, 2000, yeah, 2010 to 2018, sorry. Uh, Jerry Brown um, gets all of his wealth, basically, from his father, Edmund G. Brown, who left him a lot of money. And it was uh, Edmund G. Brown who set up, really um, helped to set up the overthrow of the Indonesian premier back, Sukarno, uh, I believe his name was, back in the 50s and 60s. And when that took place, and people were thinking he was a, a communist, the Sukarno, and it led to the overthrow of Indonesia, and Shell, Royal Dutch Shell came in and wanted assistance in capturing new markets. They already had a, a quite an oil industry going on down there. But they relied upon Edmund G. Brown, Jr., who at the time or eventually would become a state attorney general in California and would ultimately become the governor. Preceding a, pre now, there's a little, there, there showed up 
things in the background here, and they're showing a map of the United States, and I believe they're showing what this state of Jefferson would look like if they created their own state. Now, this isn't the Cal exit. This is what I believe the Patriot movement that this Paul Preston's talking about want to do. And it looks like it's the very lower part of Oregon and the upper, more the upper part of California. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in. Preceding his son. And so it was Edmund G. Brown who lost the California governorship to Ronald Reagan later on. But not to be undone, what happened was Edmund G. Brown got assurances and worked out deals and everything so that they would guarantee markets for the oil in California. And as payment, Royal Dutch Shell paid Edmund G. Brown through a trust and so on $2 per barrel of everything that was pumped in Indonesia. Nice work if you can get it, right? Oh my goodness, that's incredible. <laughs> so it, it, oh, it just gets to be better. So um, one of the guys who comes along and helps to overthrow, um, who helps to overthrow the, um, the regime, if you will, of Sicarno, was a former Japanese warlord by the name of Ryochi Sasakawa. And Sasakawa had a huge financial empire had a few had a huge financial empire out of Japan. In fact, it was Sasakawa who was operating as a warlord in China. And it was Sasakawa who was responsible for are you ready for this? The rape of Nanking. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. So was he was he one of those generals that were engaged in the beheading contests? Oh yeah. Oh he was the lead man. He led he led it all. He's been dubbed the Adolf Hitler of Japan. And, of course, he's had all sorts of associations that were similar. He went to Germany to study what was going on under Hitler and, and that whole thing. And uh, he also was uh, very, very strong within the Catholic Church with the Jesuits, which is kind of interesting. And so he he goes up and starts to do the rape of Nanking. And you can just imagine what, what uh, kind of lauder... A lauder, lauder, what's what's a larder? I'm thinking, thinking of, of riches that he got out of China. He became a multi multi millionaire as a warlord, and ultimately he parlayed that into. Are you ready for this? After the war, and by the way, he was declared a war criminal, but it was the Americans and the CIA that got him out of it and freed him. But that's because he had so much gold and so much wealth behind him. He ultimately became the owner and operator of Mitsubishi. You're kidding. Ugh. No, but then after uh, uh, Ronald Reagan was done being governor in, what was it, 1976, Jerry Brown Jr. runs for governor. Now, isn't there a problem with that? Think about it. He was a very young man. They called him, of course, Governor Moonbeam at the time. But Jerry Brown Jr., one of his first acts is to set up the Air Resources Board. And also in that act, he, was, he got legislation through that the oil that would come first and get first priority for refining in California was from where? <clears throat> Indonesia. So you're saying that the governor of California is a longtime associate of one of the biggest war criminals in world history. Correct. Oh, by the way, it gets better because <clears throat> guess who is backing? This movement right now, not only George Soros, this Cal Exit 
to, to form a new new nation. But guess who is back? Who is the other backer? The Hasa, the Sasakarwa Foundation. Is that the, is, is that the equivalent yeah. of the Clinton Foundation? Well, the Sasakara Foundation, after Ryochi Sasakara died, and by the way, he was a major contributor to the World Health Organization and the United Nations when it first formed. This is this Ryochi Sasakara. But Ryochi Sasakara, when he died, formed a foundation. And it's this foundation, the Sasakara Foundation, you know, that uh, actually led his funding, this whole uh, CalExit program right now. Isn't it interesting? But it gets better. You see... The Sasakaras became good friends with, are you ready for this, the Brown family. How about that one? In fact, the Sasakara, the family, has three brothers that uh, Ryochi had, and they're very good friends with, guess who, Jerry Brown. Well, I think that what we're looking at here is a movement to do what? Fragment the United States into regions? Yeah. Oh, yeah, fragment into different countries or regions, whatever they can do to break down the, the United States, you know, because they couldn't do it with the uh, with Obama, you know, in his program. This because they Hillary got, you know, was booted out. Um, and this is what Donald Trump was standing up against. It's, it's all about borders and sovereignty. And so to, to destroy our our sovereignty <laughs> which was the, to simply dissolve the borders, which is the process that Obama was doing, because you can take a look at the, the, uh, southern, the southern border of the United States. He was just not enforcing the law. And now what they're doing is they're going beyond that. They realize... Well, he, he's, he's not enforcing that law even more now. Just, you know, I mean, it's, they're, they're letting more people in now than they've ever let in, according to every... I mean, Border Patrol agents, everything that... I've, I've ever seen and again, and again a lot of that was leading up to elections so they would have more legal aliens to literally come in and literally vote which is totally illegal but that's not stopping in these last 60 days as donald trump is going to be a sovereign leader in other words we are going to re-establish our borders you can already see the discussion in that also our state borders are going to remain sovereign <laughs> which is something that they were quickly trying to dissolve and develop us and put us into regional zones and Jerry Brown is a big person on that. Jerry Brown spent quite a bit of time over the last year or so hustling up to make um, deals with people such as the Castro brothers, Pena down in Mexico, uh, up here in Oregon, the governor, who, by the way, was uh, resigned in disgrace because of a deal that was with Tom Steyer, the multi-billionaire environmentalist who was working alongside Jerry Brown to set up this regional energy zone, uh, things that they were talking about. And... Um, so he resigned in disgrace because his girlfriend, who was considered to be the first lady of Oregon, was doing some strange stuff, and plus she was getting money from uh, Tom Steyer, which is, it turned out to be an embarrassment. But he was also working with Trudeau in, uh, in uh, Canada. So they were basically going to set up a, a, a regional area that included uh, most of Can a lot of Canada down the west uh, coast were Washington, Oregon, and California, and into Mexico and into uh, Cuba. This is incredible. I, I wrote an article yesterday, Paul, and I'm a believer in predictive programming where the media is used to condition people for what's coming. Right. And you're referencing an old map in its fulfillment with Richard Nixon, a U.N. map to break the United States up into ten regions. But I wrote about uh, The Last Ship, which is a popular show on TNT, 
and the there was a big cataclysm with a pandemic, and the series has concluded for this season with the United States broken up into different factions. Right. And then, and then we've got uh, the hit show Designated Survivor. They've had about five episodes. The entire government is wiped out, as it was in the last ship. And they also are facing breakaways. They had to arrest the governor of Michigan for treason, and states are saying no, and it looks like you know there could be some secession. And So this is the one of the main reasons I played this for what they're saying right now. Hollywood has had a lot of predictive programming about this exact thing that we're seeing now going on in California. That's George Soros primarily funded with all of these other wicked factions behind him. Those radical factions of, of the, um, of, well, I guess you could say the illegal alien sect, and then also the Muslims, as well as the corrupt governor, Jerry Brown. And then you've got what they, what would, what would the, um, <clears throat> Uh, the radical sex of the illegal aliens and the drug lords and this, what would they want? They, they want Atlazan, uh, Azatlan, I'm sorry, Reconquista, which is basically like they say, this belongs to us, the gringo stole this from us, and it's basically Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Texas, uh, Utah, Arizona, uh, Idaho, Colorado, a lot of these states in Oklahoma given to them. So there's a lot of different ways this could potentially play out, okay? But they're doing a lot of telegraphing of this. The last ship, uh, this third, third, third season, exact thing. They they split the uh, they go away from a federal government and they split up the the um, America into basically five regions and and there's one corrupt leader for each region and they're all there to basically self enrich themselves. And at the end of the uh, end of season three, then they get that back, and then they they we don't know how season four will turn out, but they get that they end up getting that back and in acting like they're going to go back toward a federal um, government. So all I can say is there's there's a lot of okay, and then you've got designated survivor. The whole Congress and Senate is wiped out. There's one guy left. He's made the president. He was like the director of HUD. Housing and Urban Development, totally qualified for the position. They were actually ousting him from that. Uh, they were actually ousting him from the cabinet, but this was like, and that was why he was the designated survivor. He wasn't even in the thing that night the, where the Congress and Senate were meeting. And we don't know how that one's going to turn out. There's, there's not been enough episodes released on that yet, but it's about reforming a whole new government from scratch. It's about... Uh, different governments like Florida and Michigan wanting to kind of do their own thing, break away a lot of it. So much of that show is is basically how um, these state governments are wanting to um, kind of clamp down on what the Muslims are doing in their given states. And then the wonderful federal government is basically um, uh, there to basically lead the way and show us that, you know, they're, they're the good guys and the Muslims are wonderful. Okay, sorry, I had to take a call there. Let's go back to our report here. Then you go back to the old show, Revolution, from 2012 to 2014, and that was their theme. Um, you know, basic massive government death from an EMP-type weapon right. and the fragmentation into various republics. So Yeah, and I reported on that show as well, Revolution, when it came out. 
So there's been a lot of telegraphing of this notion of the government being in America being demolished. And then, then you've got the whole thing about all this predictive programming of Washington, D.C. being destroyed and then the new capital being set up in Denver, which I've talked a lot about lately as well. So <laughs> there's just a lot of this stuff that's been floated and put out there. And again, I can't say exactly what scenario is going to play out, but it may be some derivation of what we're looking at here. We're seeing these themes in these popular TV shows, and also we saw it too in The Hunger Games. Well, mm-hmm. you see, and, and of course, yeah, The Hunger Games, which was uh, written by the author, I can't remember her name, who lived in Newtown, Connecticut, co-figure, you know, where Sandy oh. Hook is. Yeah, Sandy Hoax, yeah. Sandy Hoax, right, right. Anyway, so uh, what we have here, though, you can see it clearly. So The Hunger Games, with District 9, District 13, all these, these districts with one ruling elite body that overruled all of these districts that were basically like serfdom slave things where they were just working basically for food. And at the end of the season three of this last ship, these um, that we had just talked about, the, these districts, the, the, these five regions that these, the country had broke up into that were like dictatorships, what they were doing is the people they were creating food scarcities, okay? And the people, what they would do is, okay, go go without food for a week. Let's see if we've got your attention, okay, populace. And then what they would do is bring them in and make them work 16-hour days just for one day's food ration. And they were willing to do it because, like, they had, um, there was this one scene where they opened up the side of this, this, um, uh, railroad car and it was all these people and the good guys that were there to help them okay were saying okay come you're you're free you're free to go and they're like no 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 no. we we don't want to go this we want to go where the train's going because they told us there's work there and we work for food and this they had only been doing this for like a matter of weeks but what they had done is these regional corrupt governments had created such food shortages artificial food shortages i may add that these people were willing to do anything just to survive. And this is this is why the whole thing about, you know, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and are punished, and the ant stores up his food in summer so that he has enough in winter to eat. And these are concepts that are biblical, and we know that in the Bible and that in the tribulation there's going to be a lot with famines and food shortages, and, the, and it predicts that. And I've went over those Bible verses before, and Jesus Christ predicts it in Matthew 24, famines and pestilences and things of this nature. So these are things that both the Bible clearly predicts and all of the predictive programming that I've seen from Hollywood clearly shows is coming at some point. So this is, again, I'm a watchman. This is why I'm here to, to warn people about the obvious handwriting on the wall here you see then you're i think you're exactly right because i've been aware of these programs and i haven't really watched them but i've been kind of monitoring them because this is what the plan is and they they always want to run these television shows to 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 make sure that society is going that way uh but this is uh not working well for them because especially in the state of jefferson and now we have been getting pounded by the media for some sort of response to the cal exit program Uh, so the state of jefferson would be their version of a new sovereign state in southern oregon northern california that is kind of like their answer to this cal exit 
program. And it's throwing a monkey wrench into the Cal Exit thing that George Soros is trying to do. I'm trying to interpret a little bit of this for you because I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on it as well. As the members of the state of Jefferson, to which we haven't really responded, we don't really feel a need to respond to any of this because we're following the law. They're not being lawful. In fact, what's happening, if you take a listen or you just uh, glance at some of the articles and some of the rhetoric that's coming from this so-called sanctuary city business, um, you'll hear that uh, a lot of people, like in Los Angeles, there's uh, uh, Garcetti, who is the mayor down there, he was talking about, if you listen to his conversation or read his conversation, I don't have it in front of me right now, but he basically is alluding to the fact there's going to be violence if they don't follow what they want. Um, and so the rhetoric, the rhetoric from leaders and church leaders in particular is becoming quite strong here in California, which leads me to believe that they're going to continue to flood California with illegal immigrants. So the church, the, the 501c3 corporate or church, is firmly evidently behind this wicked movement as well. Friends, um, of me uh, Hispanic, Mexican heritage in particular, um, these are all really poor people. They're all dependent upon, and there's no business. Everybody's leaving their business behind. Um, they're flooding the state, and I think what they're going to do is try a hostile, ultimately, if they don't get their way, a hostile takeover. Now, having said that, we've got 21 counties in Northern California that have declared uh, to the state of California that they want to separate and form their own state. This this would put another star on the, on the flag, and we've become a more perfect union, as we call it, as opposed to taking stars off. But this whole thing is the plan that I've been saying for a long time that Jerry wants, Jerry Brown wants. He wants to be, I call him, El Presidente of California. And he's been trying to do this for really, I think, uh, for the last eight, seven or eight years. This is when his setup, because before he became uh, governor again for the second, for, for the third and fourth uh, terms, he was the attorney general, and he did a lot of groundwork including changing the state constitution and laws allowing him to run for a third and fourth term. And also he did a lot of, of uh, work at doing away with law enforcement activities, especially through the Department of Justice, their Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement, which is the, uh, the arm that organized law enforcement throughout the state to fight the Mexican cartels from growing marijuana out in the foothills and all the different wildlands. Well, Jerry Brown did away with that the first time he, he could when he became governor, uh, I mean, the first day, which was a huge signal to the cartels to come on in. And what's happened to California's, uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful foothill areas and uh, that all this area has been absolutely raped by the cartels who come in with all their illegal fertilizers and pesticides and contaminants that have been polluting the rivers and the streams and the estuaries. Um, with all these chemicals and denuding the land. I mean, in some places in Butte County, as an example, they've been coming in with D9 cats and grading the property, which is uh, public lands, you know, just for marijuana groves. Just, just outright, outright lawlessness going on. So it sounds like the California is really going down the drain. This Jerry Brown literally wants to turn it into a third world hellhole. Sorry, but that's about as accurate of a description where drug cartels are yoked up with the government where ra the most radical elements of the muslims are yoked up with the government this corrupt illegal narco terrorist third world uh state that they're going to be forming here and this is the direction it now i remember i was out there a couple years ago and i felt like i was in about a third world country i felt like a, a minority out there 
um, from being just a white guy in all of the, and I don't know how many of them were illegal aliens, and I'm not saying anybody was really mean to me or anything, but it was a very strange feeling being out there. Uh, just, I didn't feel like I was an American anymore. And that was a couple years ago. I can't imagine what it's like now. Isn't that a lot of, excuse me, isn't that a lot of what's happening in the Fortuna area up in Northern California? Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. That's what I'm and, hearing you know, from people I know from there. Well, the, the problem up in that area now is because, <laughs> is a big one in that the, not only do you have the Mexican cartels that are there, the Mexican cartels, as you know, work very closely with Al-Qaeda and even the Taliban. And what we've had, um, you may have heard a story that we covered and was covered about just before the um, the, uh, the the shooting in Roseburg, Oregon. Um, was it Roseburg? I can't remember the name. Yes, of the it name. was. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, anyway, but in that uh, shooting, um, just before that, or, yeah, it was just I think it was just right before that, uh, they picked up Bo Bergdahl in Mendocino County. Who? You know, you know the, the guy who was. Uh, with the Taliban for all those years in Afghanistan. I know. Yeah, yeah. That same Bo Bergdahl, he was picked up there at a, um, outside of, next to a, are you ready for this, a Ukrainian Catholic monastery. Oh and uh, he was picked up on the adjoining property, which was growing pot illegally. The sheriffs came in there. They didn't arrest him because they, they had no reason to believe that he was engaged in growing the pot. But, you know, they, they were asked the appropriate questions. They took him into custody and they returned him to the army, they they drove south and, and uh, I guess met up with him in San Francisco area and turned him over to the military. So he was released again into captivity this time. Uh, but you know, the, the, it begs the question: What was Bo Bergdahl doing up there? I mean, he was at this monastery. By the way, there was a, a big um, function that was going on, at, not at that monastery, but one right up the street, another Buddhist monastery. He said he was engaged in that, and he was there and. He was on leave. Well, he was over the time. I think it was a 10-day pass, and he was there for, what, three weeks? So, you know, we started digging into it, and we found out, first of all, there was a, it was a large marijuana grow that was going on there, and it was cartel-related. And then we started getting signals about the Taliban in Mendocino County that they were engaging in, um, well, I guess it's become quite competitive between the cartels and the Taliban in Mendocino County growing pot and selling pot. Well, we taught them well in the Middle East, uh, Paul. For sure. Um, you know, through Chris Stevens and uh, through the office of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. We taught them very well. I mean, what a sickening state of affairs this is. Can you believe I'm even reporting on this? I mean, this sounds, it sounds like it's a third world country already. This lawlessness and, and that all these r- different religions and factions of Christianity and stuff yoking up and supporting this, which is going to be more the norm as the churches get more laid out. Some of them are just flat out, you know, Buddhist monasteries and stuff like that. Okay, they weren't Christian to begin with, but as the churches get more lukewarm, they're going to be more and more involved in, in acting as a cover for this type of activity and yoking up and, and self enrichment and, and, you know, oh, what a sickening state of affairs. So they could raise their money and uh, get arms and overthrow Gaddafi. Well, here's kind of the strange thing. That uh, when we started really tracking it down, we we started finding out that it wasn't just because I, I was on, you know, I was on the phone with these people. We were doing, uh, you know, we had these sources. And um, some of these guys, quite frankly, are not 
you know, they're shady people. They're criminals. I mean, and they're hardcore criminals. But, you know, we know people. And, and we asked them to talk about this, and they did. And, and the thing that they were talking about, because, you know, they're coming from the side, we want to protect our product because we don't want the Taliban here. Get it? So they're talking to us, and we start bringing up the topic about the, the, the drugs, the marijuana, and all that stuff. And then they said, well, the other thing that was coming out of that monastery area, they're not saying that they, the monastery was doing it, but out of that area, was they were running guns. <laughs> and, I said, and I asked the question on this very same microphone I'm talking to right now. I said, oh. What about Bo Bergdahl? What was his involvement? Well, he was there to facilitate it all. It's incredible. <laughs> so the traitor that we traded, like, I don't know how many ter Muslim terrorists for to get back, this, this traitor that should have been executed, he's now just continuing what he started, being a Muslim traitor. He's just doing it now here in California. I mean, uh, anyway. You know, where you, find gun, you, know the, you know where those guns were used? They were put in the shooter's hands in Roseburg, Oregon. That's what was used at the college there. I don't want to sound uninformed, but my reaction is, really? This is incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the better part of that, is that, you know, as these drugs are circulated around in the, in the cartel areas, you know, there's people that run the drugs that go from place to place and point to point. I'm not going to get into the details of it because, you know, <laughs> I like life too. Uh, but they use it, they stage it, and they use a series of people that run the, run the drugs and also run the guns. Now, this is where it gets to be dicey because right shortly after the shooting there in Oregon, this guy's, the, the, you know, of course, the shooter is, is dead, but this guy's lover, who is a homosexual, um, turns up missing. And then we find out later on, well, he was one of the guys that helped to supply the guns to the shooter in Oregon. And then what we started to find out was, well, we said, well, what about the food chain? Because, you know, there's a whole series of people who go through this process to get the guns in the proper plans because of, of trying to avoid law enforcement. Well, it turns out three of the other five that were involved are now dead, too. Really, dead men tell no tales, right? So um, I, I want to back up just for a second. Aren't there term limits for governor in in California? No. Well, actually, I believe there are, and I believe that's what law that he got around. Well, see that because look at that's why Schwarzenegger had to leave. Right. So how does Jerry Brown get around this? Sixteen total years as governor. Okay, this is why you have term limits because. Without term limits, they turn into dictators. Well, Jerry Brown, um, he wrote he wrote a law. He, he helped to uh, couch a law that allowed him to be in here. And we just found this out, believe it or not. And I'm really tight in, in sector. I didn't even know this, but I found out about this about three weeks ago that he did this. It was just, but see, this is how tight and how slick he is with everybody within the system. They're just doing stuff behind your back you don't know. They'll do gut and amendment uh, uh, bills, you know, where they uh, go through the legislative system. The bill goes through the process and gets approval process at the very end. Um, at the very end, at the last few days of the legislative session, what they do is they take all the contents out of the bill. It's been approved. They use the bill number. They use the, the author's name. But they completely rewrite, rewrite the law 
and they ship that off as approved to the governor. It gets a bit of final approval in the Senate or the House, the Assembly, and then they ship it right off to the governor, and the governor signs it. It's not the original law at all. It's called gutting amend, the process of gutting amending. That's amazing. So, yeah, this is the kind of sinister stuff. That, but, you know, again, we're a one-party state. So Jerry Brown is in his target-rich environment. He can do whatever he wants. He has uh, full reign over the propositions, which allow, uh, which, you know, are bogus propositions all for money for his, him and his friends. Uh, it's just absolutely tyranny that's going on. And, of course, now they're going to ramp up with law enforcement, at least coming from the state. So far, it's been kind of interesting. They've been, um, Jerry Brown and Kamala Harris have been really pretty much put in check by law enforcement. These guys are following their oath of office, which I'm really proud of some of the, really proud of a number of people in the California law enforcement community, especially with the Highway Patrol. Um, they have stepped up and said, nah, well, this is kind of illegal. We don't want to follow that rule, and they won't follow it. So, um, or that law, and they won't follow it. But that's, that's a good sign, obviously. Well, that is. Existence. Well, Paul, I want to put a cap on this and make sure that we can follow where we've been. I think the major development you're reporting on here is, one, there's a very good chance there's going to be a 51st state, and it's all legal. There's a good chance that California may withdraw from the union. And it's being led by Governor Brown, George Soros, and their war criminal friends overseas. Right. And, yeah, final question. Uh, I've seen the La Raza map. I'm sure you have where they oh, want yeah. to reclaim the south. Is that where this is headed? Yes, absolutely. This is all part of the program, mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, that's exactly where it's headed. This has been something that – and I worked in schools in California for 41 years – and I know La Raza. La Raza has been the main player behind this. You know, when Donald Trump took the issue with that, that uh, judge that, that's in San Diego, the judge is a member of La Raza. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, he's not true to America first. I don't care if he was born in America. And Donald Trump called him out on it and called him right. These guys from La Raza are vicious, bigoted, racist individuals who do not care for America. America is not first and foremost. It's Mexico, and it's taking back the uh, the lands that were taken from the Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago. Look at us. Yes, that's right. And, and that's La Raza. Uh, conquistador, conquistador Recon, uh, De La Raza. Yeah, yeah. yeah recon, reconquistadores. That's right. There you go. That's <clears> it. Thank <throat> you for correcting me on that. Yeah. Well, Paul, we're out of time for this segment, but this has been absolutely fascinating. I want to thank you for joining us. I want to remind everybody we're brought to you by Namana Foods. So that's the, I just felt like that information was important enough to play. I know it was a long interview. There was about 28 minutes, but ugh, I hadn't heard this. And I like, obviously I've talked a lot about California, but this is where this is all heading. And I would imagine that if Hillary had gotten in, they could kind of take their time with the thing they're trying to do in California, but they may be on an accelerated timetable knowing that Trump would obviously resist this. And um, so I don't know what they might be trying to pull as far as an accelerated timetable to make this happen quicker. But the more they open up the borders, and the borders are open up now more than ever, the more, more they can destabilize these regions and get their demographic in there, and in this case that's illegal aliens, the higher chance they have of pulling this off. I mean, just something to pray about, pray God intervenes regarding this because this is just pure, total wickedness. And so I'll go ahead and end this out in, in a word of prayer. And, and I have a just a quick prayer request. I don't, I don't even remember. It's probably been years since I've ever even put out a prayer request. But um, 
I just pray you pray for my immune system. I've just had a lot of issues lately. And like I said, that's what got me into alternative health care. Um, and I've just had a lot of issues. It's actually, it's just been actually affecting uh, the ministry almost and my, my ability to have energy to go. And I, I think a lot of it's purely demonic. I had all those attacks from those, these witches, whole covens. I'm sure they're still doing what they're doing. Nothing ended up happening to me, but any little thing that they could try to do to kill me and take me out or whatever, or at least slow me down. And I think that's more what I'm, I'm dealing with here. It's just that I've been able to keep a handle on it with all the clinical nutrition that I have at my disposal. But it's just been ridiculous the amount of, of um, <clears throat> clinical nutrition I have had to consume as of late in order just to keep myself functioning. And I really do believe it's demonic. And from that regard so uh stuff that where i never even i had this figured out i mean i haven't been sick in years sometimes i'm go have years that go by and i'm good i'm good I'm, and then all of a sudden you know i'm battling things that won't go away that that are just like seems like they're straight from the pit of hell that it takes 10 times the amount of whatever to to actually overcome it's just very very fishy so I'll just throw that out. I, I thank you for, for your prayers for the ministry and for those that have donated and, and do donate and, and prayers for Taylor and myself and this ministry and our, our well-being. I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you. I realize that without you, uh, my listeners praying for us, I think we would have I would have been out of this game a long time ago. I firmly believe that and praise the Lord Jesus Christ for the body of Christ and for my listeners and those that have uh, done all this for us. So, um, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time that you've given us. I thank you for letting us come together again, Lord God, to look at these issues uh, that may be on the very, very near horizon. I do pray, God, that for your divine intervention regarding what we've talked about today and also in times past, Lord, and that righteousness would prevail. Um, I pray your angels will go before us to prepare the way and that this wickedness that... Um, Really, the Illuminati is plotting, Lord, against this country. It really, and globally, Lord, I pray to God not only that it be exposed, but it, that, that it be destroyed. And that you deliver, you know, like the little children, Lord, that are, that are being horrifically um, uh, abused by these pedophiles and these, these, this global pedophile network, Lord, that, that exists, that we've talked a lot about um, recently, and that have, that have come out regarding you know, Podesta and the Hillary Clinton, and, and we know about the Vatican and all of the pedophile priesthood and all of these sick devils in the Luciferian ranks, God, that, that take pleasure in hurting little children and all the evil that happens against little children in Islam. And then in, in a lot of these wicked countries that are, that are out there, I just pray to God you divinely intervene, God, in every single one of these cases, that you deliver these poor children and that, and that Lord God, you bless them protect them, save them, Lord God, at the earliest possible age, and, and, and use them mightily for your glory, Lord. Um, <clears throat> I pray you forgive us, Lord, for any and all sins that we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, and that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And I ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <laughs>